Surprise, stocks went up last week, and then surprise, they went down. Surprise, there's a new priority in the US and it's racial justice, not COVID-19. What will happen next in payments and FinTech will probably be a surprise. But today, we'll look at what's coming next, so you are not surprised. In this edition of FinTech Friday, Surprise, what's coming up next in payments in fintech? I'm Silvio Tavares here in San Francisco on June 12th, and this is FinTech Friday, brought to you by Cardlinks. It's great to be with you. If you're like me, you've been completely startled by some of the most significant events this year. On Monday of this week, I would not have predicted that on the same day that economists announced that the U.S. economy officially went into recession, that on that same day, the NASDAQ Composite Index would hit an all-time high. I've also been surprised that almost the entire nation in the last two weeks has dramatically shifted its focus from fighting COVID-19 to fighting racial injustice. So frankly, and I, and I hate to admit it, I'm kind of tired of being surprised. And maybe you are too. And to fix that element of surprise, at least as it relates to payments and fintech, on today's show, we're speaking to an executive from Discover. Discover is one of the largest payments companies in the world. They're also one of the largest payment networks in the U.S. and one of the largest credit card issuers. The brand they use outside of the U.S. is Diner's Card, and it's a little-known fact, but Diner's Card was actually the first credit card ever. That was back before fintech was cool. So today we'll speak with Jazz Magai, Vice President of Emerging Payments Innovation at Discover. It's one of Jasma's main responsibilities to know what's coming next in payments and fintech, so that Discover is not surprised. We'll find out what just happened and what's coming up next in payments and fintech, so you won't have to be surprised. Good morning, Jasmine. How are you? Good, Silvio. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm talking to you from San Francisco today. Where are you? So I'm based in sunny Chicago, and I can finally say sunny. So that's the key point. And, you know, Chicago was also one of the areas that was hit hard initially by the COVID-19 virus. Are things and uh, shops starting to reopen? Are you seeing people sort of walking around and driving around? Yeah, you know, um, as you know, we are all in phase three, what they're calling phase three. So definitely seeing things open up. But, you know, it's seeing still a balance. People in the grocery stores, at least, are still wearing their PPE. So it's still on the side of caution. So you see most people still in their gear. So it remains to be seen. Yeah, absolutely. We're all watching that very carefully. You're a very experienced executive in the payments industry, and, and you're also running a global business. So you're interacting with different parts of the world on a regular basis. If you look at everything that's happened over the last several months, are there any areas that you just found particularly surprising, things that you didn't really expect to happen, but that in fact have come to pass? So maybe I would um, say it's less about surprising, but I've been surprised by the pace of change. So I'll give you an example. As we talk about cleaner payments, in the current 
coronavirus environment, push payments, if you will, are getting a lot of press right now. It's very appealing for a person to send a peer-to-peer payment or make that QR-based payment because, again, people fear that cash could potentially spread the virus. I was reading an article earlier in the month where Zelle here in the U.S. market has reported more than double-digit growth in people sending money you know, via their network. And this was not limited to just their younger audiences. Zell reported that they've seen a growth even within the baby boomers. So as I said, I'm pleasantly surprised to see the pace of change and how quickly platforms that we've had and we've invested in are picking up steam because there are use cases and experiences that the consumers are seeing. And I think they're here to stay and that only continue to rise. Fascinating, the the rise of push payments so rapidly. And it totally makes sense. A lot of people choosing to push the payment instead of doing something that they would have done in the past, which is like write a check or hand someone some cash. I do want to ask you about the changing environment, though, because a lot of things are changing. The economic environment is changing. Also, the request that you have from customers is changing. What do you view as the biggest change in payments that you see happening right now? What's the biggest trend that you see happening right now in terms of change? Sure. So I'm sure you're hearing a lot about this new term about cleaner payments. Consumers are asking for contactless payments. They want touch-free options, you know, when they're doing those everyday purchases. Any purchase that was below $25, you know, was mainly dominated by cash. Now we are seeing a clear shift from cash to tap and pay. I would highlight that Discover has seen some significant growth in contactless payments. In the first quarter of this year, we reported a 46% increase in our contactless payments compared to the last quarter in 2019. So that's, that's pretty large. Glad to say that our largest issuer, Discover Card, has committed to issuing majority of its portfolio to contactless cards by end of the year. So, you know, as a network, you know, uh, we work with our issuers, our acquirers globally. As you know, we are a global network. We've also worked with them to raise limits on these contactless transactions because what we don't want is a consumer having to provide any biometric data while they're making that transaction. So while cleaner payments is a big change, I do believe that it's not going away. It's here to stay even after the pandemic is over. Really interesting. 46% increase in contactless payments. That's huge. And let me ask you about that because, of course, a big portion of those contactless payments are going to be mobile. But at the same time, Discover is really well known as the as the card that pays you back. Um, you pioneered the model of cash back uh, discounts. How do you expect those two things to interplay? Do you think that giving cash back on contactless payments is going to be a thing that people do in mobile wallets, you know, cash back offers or even cash back offers related to a specific merchant? Do you see that as being a significant driver after COVID-19 is gone on the contactless payments? Yes. So for Discover Card, again, that's an issuer functionality. And for a Discover card, we were the pioneer, Silvio, who started the notion of cashback. So we don't intend to change that. Uh, so it doesn't matter for us whether a consumer use, is using a card or a mobile wallet or a QR payment. We will continue our tradition of that cashback, and that hasn't changed for us, frankly. And it's a big driver for our customer engagement and loyalty and ever so important uh, given the current times. 
you know, from a business perspective, you know, Discover is in a really unique position because you're a network, you're also an issuer of cards, and you have direct relationships with merchants. And many of those merchants have been hurting quite a bit. As you mentioned, many of them are closed, have been closed for several months, and they're just starting to reopen now. At Discover, how are you using technologies to help consumers bounce back and merchants bounce back from the disruption of COVID-19? So we are all going through this surreal time, as we can all uh, attest to. But at, at Discover, our top priority begins with our own employees first. So the health and safety of our employees was the first charter. And when um, around the mid-March timeframe, our technology team has done a fabulous job making sure that all of the 16,000 or so employees can work from home and they were able to mobilize the workforce within two weeks. To your question, absolutely, as a bank and an issuer, we have several customers, you know, using different products. So whether you are a credit card customer or using one of our loan products, we've instituted an expanded payment plan. So the customers have a choice to defer payments if they need to. At the same time, they can take advantage of our no penalty fees on CDs and access early withdrawals without worrying about any fees. So if they need any emergency funds, they can do so. As a payment network, absolutely, the merchants, uh, you know, we are a direct acquirer of several of our tier one merchants. So we've uh, very early on when the virus hit, we reached out to the hard hitters, if you will, like the cruise lines as an example. And, you know, we had conversations with them and we've developed payment mitigation plans that they might need and might help them in the long run. Lastly, I would add that, you know, um, our merchants on the petroleum side also were suffering, uh, as you can imagine. So we had a timeline to institute EMV liability shift this October. We were able to move that to a new date next year and allowing our petroleum merchants more flexibility on getting these systems upgraded that they need for EMV and, you know, deal with their economic and logistical challenges. So there's been a lot of activity from all our different business areas. Wow. You guys have been very, very busy. And, you know, you talked about getting all your employees safe and being able to work remotely. That's, you know, tens of thousands of employees in a short amount of time. You also just talked about the ability for your consumer clients to be able to skip or defer payments. And then you talked about being able to shift some of the timelines for new rules around liability. Discover is not just a network in, in the U.S. It's a network outside of the U.S. and as well as an issue of cards outside of the U.S. Um, in those markets, you often use the diner's card brand, if I understand correctly. Mm -hmm. In those markets, obviously, contactless is much more mature. Most of the rest of the world already uses contactless. Do you see any sort of ch differences and, and changes that are happening in the markets outside of the U.S. that maybe you don't see uh, in the U.S. right now? So I would say, given the pandemic, every economy around the world has been impacted in some form or shape. So the overall economic activity is going to depend on how quickly these markets or economies recover, because most regions and most markets still have the stay-at-home orders. We are all still working from home. Several businesses still remain closed. So until we have a better handle on you know, what's going to change over there, these trends will definitely be pretty closely correlated, if you will, with the pace of the recovery in these regions. 
Now, our offices are, are close to the San Francisco airport. So once in a while when I'm driving back and forth from the office, I see the airplanes uh, landing and taking off. And lately, there haven't been a lot of airplanes taking off. Clearly, uh, the travel and hospitality industry have been really hit hard by COVID-19. But just this week, we're starting to see some encouraging statistics. For example, in the U.S., if you compare where we are in June versus the first part of May, flights have increased by 30 or 40 percent. They're still only at about 25 percent where we were a year ago. But if you look at beginning of May to now, there's been an increase. Last closing question I'd like to ask you, which merchant categories do you think are going to start bouncing back first? And um, which are the ones that are going to be most resilient and coming back as we start to now enter the phase of recovery? Yeah, so that's a very um, fair question. And as you pointed out, obviously, the travel and entertainment industry has been hit hard. Right, our numbers are showing that the discretionary spend pointed out, obviously the travel and entertainment industry has been hit hard. Right, our numbers are showing that the discretionary spend is down 33%. So that's a pretty staggering number. What we are seeing is that some industries, some categories actually have, you know, not only grown, not only holding strong, but actually have grown significantly. So think about large online merchants in the delivery space, supermarkets and wholesale clubs, and even home improvement. So some of that discretionary spend that was originally spent on travel, you're seeing a shift towards home improvement and landscaping projects. But, you know, end of the day, the merchants that will come out uh, on the other side and win are the merchants who are going to be best equipped to adapt to what their consumers are seeking and, you know, meet their consumers' preferences. Before the pandemic, we had several merchants who had absolutely said no to contactless and saying no, can do. And what we've seen is those merchants have kind of come to us and saying, you know, we are ready to certify. We would like to enable contactless payments in our stores. So very early on, we've kind of worked with them closely with the merchant community, especially the hard hit ones, and making sure that we continue to work through and mitigate risk for them through this time. Absolutely. So interesting that this new economic environment has really urged merchants uh, or pushed merchants to adopt technologies, maybe that before they were lukewarm on, now they're really hot on them like contactless and cleaner ways to pay. I really appreciate the time, Jasma, and really appreciate your insights. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you again at one of our Cardlinks events in the future. Absolutely, Silvio. My pleasure. Thank you for this opportunity. Bye, and, and stay warm there in, in Chicago. you got to enjoy those sunny days. We'll <laughs> That's up. the plan. That's okay. the plan. Keep Thanks the sun. All. Thank yeah. you, Silvio. Thanks, Jasma. Bye-bye. Bye. Coming right up, some closing thoughts on how to predict and avoid surprise using math. If you love math and data charts like I do, you're probably familiar with the R-squared correlation coefficient. Mathematicians and statisticians define R-squared as the proportion of variance in the dependent variable that's predictable from the independent variable. Now stay with me here if you're not familiar with this topic as it's really, really interesting. In other words, let's say you have one variable that you know and there's a second variable that you don't know. 
Well, a perfect R-squared is when you can predict the variable you don't know using the variable you do know. For example, if you know the amount of oil being pumped out of oil wells around the world, you can predict what the price of that oil will be on the open market. So R-squared is a pretty good tool to predict the future and to avoid surprises. Now, applying this to social situations, I have a theory that the best predictor of the prosperity of a particular nation is how it treats its most vulnerable people. So put it another way, there's a high R-squared correlation coefficient between prosperity and addressing social injustice. Now, it's not proven, but it seems to me to be true. So for example, societies that are wealthy but don't take care of their oppressed, they're due for trouble. But those that take care to address social injustice are in for good times. That is what all these protests are about here in the U.S. and around the world. They're about addressing racial injustice. And guess what? If we get it right and fix what we need to do, don't be surprised. America is in for some good times. For FinTech Friday from the Cardlinks Association, talk to you next week. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless you. This is Silvio Tavares signing off.